It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Let's break down the major changes the Cincinnati Bengals have put into their offense with Jake Browning at quarterback and the great results they've gotten the last two weeks. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find us on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts every day. If you want to stay up to date as the Bengals make this playoff push. Playoffs? That's right. We're going to talk about the playoffs later in this episode and get into some of the scenarios. We're also going to talk a lot about what's changed with this offense and Reset the conversation around the coaching staff a little bit, where it was in recent weeks, where it is today. Lots to talk about with this team right now. Today's episode brought to you by the Game Time app. You can use promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase of tickets the next time you need them. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And James, let's start with the evolution of this offense with Jake running at quarterback, because I think we all can agree at this point there are significant differences we've seen the last two weeks. There are significant changes, changes that have certainly helped him and made this offense as fun to watch as it's been, uh, or, or put it like this, because I actually, come on, let's be honest here. It's been really fun, and people are comparing Joe Burrow and Jake Browning and the offenses and all of those things. They were really, really good before Burrow went down. They had a lead on arguably the top team in the league. And they beat the top. They either beat the top team in the league or had a lead against the top team in the league um, when Burrow was in. So whatever they were doing was working. And I'm referring to the San Francisco 49ers and then the Baltimore Ravens. But Jake Browning isn't Joe Burrow. And we said that going into the Steelers game. And it took the coaching staff a week. Uh, it took Jake Browning a week. It, it took this franchise a week to, to adjust to make the the changes necessary or to go to the part of the playbook that fit Browning best and fit this offense best. And it's clearly working 34 points, two straight games. The offense won them the game in Jacksonville. The defense was great on Sunday against the Colts, but the offense held up their end of the bargain as well and, and gave them an early lead, which obviously helps the defense a ton, helps this team a ton. So this offensive staff deserves a lot of credit. We can get into that, but I, I know you pulled some stats. So how, how different is this offense right now compared to what we saw with Joe Burrow from a numbers perspective? You can pick a, a stat, a split, and it's significantly changed the last three weeks and compared to what they were doing with Joe Burrow. The most obvious thing, and we've talked about this, is the dismissal of empty stuff. 
that they love doing with Joe Burrow. The purpose of that, of course, is to flood the coverage with concepts, and Joe Burrow does what he does. He's very good at identifying, this is a concept that I need to read out on this play because this is the coverage I'm getting, and this is a guy that's going to be open. That's what Joe Burrow is very good at. That's why he likes empty so much. It lets him distribute the ball quickly, accurately, get the ball to his playmakers on time, sometimes in space, give them yard after catch opportunities with his elite ball placement. Jake Browning doesn't really do all of that at the level Joe Burrow does, and you wouldn't expect him to, right? He's a backup quarterback, and he certainly has his strengths, but that type of quick processing of full field reads and concepts where he has to pick a side based on a look He can go through full progression, but you don't want him to do it the whole game. You don't want him to live in it. You don't want him to live in it out of empty in particular. So that's one big difference that we can just eyeball test. But you look at play action, for example. The last three weeks against the Steelers, 18.8% of the Bengals dropbacks were play action. In week 13 against the Jaguars, noticeable uptick, right? We saw those boots. We we, we noticed it up to 27.5%. In week 14, Fewer pass attempts overall, but play action comprising 42.3% of the Bengals passing attempts this week against the Colts in week 14. Similar, you look at screens from 6.3% to 17.5%. Big jump, right, from 12 to 13. Another jump up to 23% in week 14. Again, fewer overall snaps, but play action and screens. Two numbers to start, and I have two more that you can look at and see from a stat perspective, in addition to those eye test things, significant shifts in a clear direction the last three weeks. And it's interesting because there's a lot of people that have said, all right, well, this offense is completely like rebuilt itself, looks completely different, and it looks different. And those stats back that up. But these are topics, not necessarily the screen game, but the play action stuff, we talked about it this offseason. We have multiple shows going back to, to OTAs, watching Burrow work under center. Like I, I think that it was a goal of theirs to be more diverse and maybe less empty all the time. And part of it, a big part of why they weren't, especially early in the season, I think had to do with that calf injury for Burrow. So to, to do it now and implement it, I think it makes a ton of sense. Clearly, Browning is comfortable. And you just want to make life easier. And, and you could go way back if you want to go to the, the Mark Sanchez versus the Bengals 2009 playoff game at Paycor, where wow. awful, awful game. I hated it, right? It broke my heart at the time. But they made life easier on Mark, Mark Sanchez. That's why he made it to, to back-to-back AFC title games. Really good defense, running the ball, play action, easy decisions, make a couple big throws each game. And this Bengals coaching staff, they've shown that that they can do that with Browning. And Browning has shown that he's capable of of making some big throws, throws that are necessary, plays uh, in important moments and key spots. And so thus far, it feels pretty sustainable. I don't know if the numbers will stay there, right? Like the screen passes, I don't think they're going to average, you know, one screen per game that goes for 39 or more yards, which is the case over the past three games, going back to the Pittsburgh game. I think that's unrealistic, but they've found ways to get the the ball to their playmakers in space and to make Browning's life easier. 
and he should only get more and more comfortable, not less comfortable. So it's it's great that they've had that to lean on. Yeah, the screen game in particular is something that I think is very matchup specific. They have these defenses the last couple of weeks that are sending guys upfield. They're very aggressive on the defensive line. The defenses will be different going forward. For example, Gus Bradley blitzed maybe like two times the entire game. He doesn't blitz. Flor- uh, Flores defense coming up. Minnesota going to blitz the heck out of Jake Browning next week. So there will be some differences in that way. And blitzing, hey, you can catch a, catch the, the blitz with the screen at the right time. You're going to have a, a big gain off it. Just for reference, the, the last couple of weeks, the, the play action rates 27.5%, 42% this week. Screen rate 17.5%, 23%. With Joe Burrow, the play action rate this season was 20.6%. So we're a little bit higher the last couple of weeks with Jake Browning to a lot higher this week with Jake Browning. Screen rate with Burrow at quarterback was 12.5%. And I think the biggest thing in the screen game is they've been much more effective with the screens. They're not necessarily running them a ton more, although this week they did. There's a little bit of an uptick in usage of screens and a big uptick in effectiveness of the screen game the last two weeks. And I said, I have two more numbers and some of this is going to lead to a conversation about where we are on this coaching staff and their ability to adapt as I think they've proven that yet again, they do in fact have that capability. They have that flexibility in their toolkit. So we will continue the conversation on this offense coming up next. Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals, sponsored by Game Time. Who knows that with this playoff stretch getting exciting for the Bengals, their last few games of the season, a few more home games out there, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets. It should be easy. It should be fast. You should have peace of mind. You should have great deals. And Game Time incorporates all of that into the app, including views from your seat, which is a feature that I love when I'm buying tickets. They've got last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, a lowest-price guarantee, and all of these things make the Game Time app the best way to buy tickets whenever you need to. Download the Game Time app today. Create an account. Use code LOCKEDONNFL. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. $20 off tickets to the next Bengals game you want to attend if it's the first time you're using the app. For example, terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NFL, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-NFL for $20 off your order. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guarantee. Today's show is also brought to you by Schultz Jewelers. It is officially crunch time, ladies and gentlemen, crunch time. And so if you're especially fellas, if you're out there looking for that perfect piece or maybe you want to get that custom piece for him, you're looking at all of the the bling that the Bengals are wearing and whether it's Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or insert Bengals player here that has an awesome chain, well, you can get yours with Schultz Jewelers. They make custom pieces. They are a modern jewelry store. So it's not just custom designs, which is an awesome aspect of what they do they have permanent jewelry they have diamonds that are not going to break the bank fellas and the lab grown diamonds especially if you're looking for that perfect diamond to pop the question go to schultzjewelers.com matt schultz is a huge huge bengals fan they've been doing this for more than 70 years you can find them at 2202 dixie highway in port mitchell just five minutes 
minutes from the bridge into Kentucky. You can check them out online as well at SchultzDiamonds.com. That's S-E-H-U-L-Z Diamonds.com. Go there now, and they will find the perfect piece for her this holiday season. We know the Bengals strive for perfection. Schultz Jewelers does too. Because when it has to be perfect, it has to be Schultz Jewelers. I do have two more numbers on the offense, James, but we're also going to have to talk about this coaching staff, right? The flexibility they've shown, the major philosophical changes we've seen from them the last two weeks. What do you think? First things first. The same people that came with the energy of what is Zach Taylor's record without Joe Burrow? And I get it because it was ugly without Joe Burrow. But this team, as bad as they were in 2019, look at that roster. It would have been ugly with any coach. In 2020, I had my doubts. But Zach Taylor's done a lot since then. And some people, anytime there's a struggle, morph back into that mindset of 2020. It's time to evolve. It's time to evolve the Zach Taylor conversation and admit that, Hey, winning season in 21 and, oh, wait, not only did they get to or win the AFC North, but they get to a Super Bowl. That builds up equity. Then they get to the AFC title game after winning the AFC North again. Okay, they're not going to win the division this year. No team has won it three straight years. But despite that, they're seven and six, and we're talking about playoffs, even though Joe Burrow is has been out for three games now and was limited to start the season. So Zach Taylor deserves credit for evolving. For, for figuring this out and putting a more than competent, effective offense out there, an explosive offense out there. And Brian Callahan took a lot of heat too, and he deserves credit. And so does Frank Pollock because Frank Pollock was – it felt like from a fan base standpoint, scapegoat was what everyone was, was pointing at and looking at. Well, if you want to point out how he's the run game coordinator when the run game stinks – and they really struggled to run the ball eight times for 16 yards against the Steelers. Let's point it out now because the past two weeks, the offense has ran through the running backs and uh, a lot of it and has produced a bunch of explosive plays and is a big reason why the offense has scored 30-plus points in each of the past two, two games. So I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying they're going to be great on Saturday against the Vikings. Hell, I'm no fortune teller. What I can tell you is that there are people – that just jump off the moment it gets ugly for a second. And then I don't think they give proper credit. And that's fine if you want to jump off and be critical. I'm not even debating that. That's not really the point. The point is now they're coaching their asses off and they deserve credit. And this offensive staff, I should mention Dan Pitcher too, because they're doing a great job. It's been effective. Jake seems comfortable. This offense is working. Joe Mixon has been as effective as he's been all season. Like wherever you look, it, it makes a ton of sense and, and it's working. So coaching staff top to bottom deserves a ton of credit on the offensive side for figuring this out without Joe Burrow. Yeah, you take it where you can get it in the last couple of weeks against some defenses that aren't necessarily world beaters, and it will be a little bit harder down the stretch. They play three very, very good defenses in their last few games of the season, finishing with Steelers, Chiefs, Browns. Those are three of the better defenses in the AFC, if not the best defense in the league of the Browns, which they have been, really, for the entire year. So they have their work cut out for them, and we might be revisiting this again in a few weeks if they can't figure out some answers against those good defenses as well. But they do deserve credit, I think, for being adaptable. And 
this is what I was talking about earlier this year when I said they figured it out. And and they have. They have a track record, a consistent track record of the, at this point of figuring it out. Sometimes it's frustrating because they've had these slow starts and it's like, why is it taking so long? Why can't they figure this out at the start of the season? Why are they getting off to these slow starts and digging themselves these holes? This year, I think a lot of it was to do with Joe Burrow's calf. And I think that we would have seen way more of this play action game earlier this year and probably more of the boot game as well as Joe Burrow specifically worked on his athleticism and being on the move and throwing on the run this offseason to prepare for this NFL season. I think we would have seen a lot of this stuff if not for that calf injury. So the early season grade is around them not adapting properly. Maybe they should have played Jake Browning. I don't know. We'll never know. that. That's like hindsight analysis that I don't really think is worth the time. But they they should get consistent credit for their track record of figuring things out over the course of the season, making changes, being adaptable, and finding the right buttons to push. Whether that's taking the stress off the offensive line, going from a team that was about league average and true pass sets to the last three weeks being 35 and a 26% and 29% in true pass sets, meaning those are the ones that aren't quick game, play action, boot, RPO, where they'd have to sit there and just block a straight drop back. They're not doing that as much anymore with Jake Browning as they did with Joe Burrow. They're taking the stress off the offensive line. They found ways to do that. They've shown that they have that kind of offense in their repertoire and maybe overall it's like a 25% different offense. I don't think it's like this night and day entirely different offense for running with Jake Browning, but that change is enough for it to be very effective. And I think to give them something to consider when Joe Burrow returns in the future too. No doubt. I, I think that there are certainly pieces that will translate that they'll use with Burrow. I do. I'm going to go down the hindsight path because I know people will. I just want to address this and be very, very clear of how I stand. There is not a world where anybody would have played Jake Browning going into that Cleveland game because everyone thought Burrow was close to 100%. Everybody, including Joe. All right. Then in the Baltimore game, still good to go. He played really well in the second half before re-injuring it. Season on the line, eight days later, played pretty well against the Rams, and they won. And then you had the awful outing against Tennessee. No doubt about it, but are you benching him after the Rams win? Probably not. You didn't know it was going to look like that against Tennessee. And then that's when the win streak got rolling, and they got rolling as a team, but starting in Arizona. So there was never really, unless you would have said it, he wasn't healthy going into the season, which no one thought. No one thought he was at 60% or whatever you want to say going into the year. And then I, I, I think that, the hindsight is what it is. And people will go back and say, oh, well, you should have. Nah, they shouldn't have. Because it would have taken – the other part is they w- it would have taken Browning a few weeks mm-hmm. to get comfortable. It would have taken this offense a few weeks to adjust. And then what? So I, I think they made the right call there, even though people might go back and say otherwise. That said, yeah, it's uh, it's clearly working. The, the credit deserves to be there. And I, I think – People should be able to. I certainly did. I just did. And and I, you probably feel the same way, even if you don't want to go down the hindsight path, is they clearly deserve credit for in the moment, after the devastating injury, after an ugly loss to Pittsburgh where it felt like things were collapsing and it was just going to be over and we were going to do mock draft Mondays. Within a week, 
flipping the script and now they're seven and six after being five and six. And in a 12 day span, Jake, if they can handle business against Minnesota, which isn't going to be easy, but if they can handle business against Minnesota, you win three games in 12 days. That's insane. And yet it's what the Bengals have a chance to do with Jake Browning on Saturday. That's right. We'll finish up the conversation, including a look at that playoff picture for today's episode coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by DoorDash. DoorDash, well, it's my go-to. The weather is really, really cold out right now. It's like mid-30s in the afternoon. That's the high. I hate it. not going to lie to you. I'm a Cincinnati native, lived here for essentially my entire life. Don't love the cold. And so you don't have to go out there in the cold to get your favorite meal this season. And whether it's during Monday Night Football, whether it's during the, the Bengals matchup on Saturday Get to DoorDash, where you can get your favorites, whether it's Skyline, which I've DoorDashed multiple times. My go-to with DoorDash is City Bird. You've heard me talk about City Bird. Those spicy chicken sandwiches, perfect amount of slaw. I'm telling you, you get a side of tenders and some fries, you're going to be living good, my friend. And you don't have to leave your house with DoorDash. Check out DoorDash right now and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. That's subject to change in terms apply, but don't forget to use code LOCKED23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more subject to change. Terms apply. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Last thoughts here on the coaching staff, and then we'll talk about those playoff scenarios. Defense, also defensive staff, at least for one week, Lou Anarumo's guys and Lou Anarumo deserve credit for the performance against the Indianapolis Colts, and they will need more of that down the stretch, at least is my belief. Maybe not against the Minnesota Vikings, who looked – dysfunctional i actually didn't see how that game ended but they won three nothing they won three nothing are you kidding me against the rate i mean i know the raiders can rush a passer but come on hey hey i'm not taking them lightly though i'm no i'm just not but the last few games against the bears they scored 10 against the raiders they scored three the defense still has a job to do but minnesota needs to find some answers too we'll talk with luke about that game Coming up in the near future, but Steelers, Chiefs, Browns, teams with fierce defenses of their own. The defense for the Bengals will need to answer in kind for the Bengals to necessarily have their best shot at winning those games. Uh, Barring the offense, I think, exceeding expectations against good defenses. Um, The last thing I'll say about this on the offensive coaches is I don't think that this change, uh, I kind of hinted at it, is necessarily super radical what they're doing with Jake Browning. They're they're incorporating more concepts that Zach Taylor came from in the Sean McVay offense that Brian Callahan came from with his Gruden influence coaching tree, more of these boots, more play action. This is stuff, and, and more diverse personnel groupings too. They're, they're using two tight ends more, I think, 
in the last couple of weeks with Drew Sample, Tanner Hudson, and Mitchell Wilcox getting uh, the majority of the playing time actually this week. Uh, Irv Smith getting the least snaps for any tight end, so that's an interesting note. But this is just modernizing the offense, evolving the offense, probably the next step for the offense, and it's something that I think should be easy to incorporate with Joe Burrow in the future as well, taking a little bit off his plate, taking more of those easy buttons. And I don't think it's a wholesale change. And this is why if you've talked to me about this on Twitter, I've resisted the idea that they can just quote unquote run this offense for Joe Burrow, but you do need to take a lot of elements from it. It's a balance they need to strike of letting Burrow play to his strengths and also using offensive design to their benefit, which is something that we've clearly seen in the last few weeks. They know how to do, and it's just finding the right buttons to push at the right time and getting into that rhythm in the future when it's Joe Burrow, who can do way more for you than Jake Browning can. And I, I think that this, if there is a a blessing in the Burrow injury, it might be that, that this offense long-term can hit a gear and evolve into something that we haven't seen yet. And there'll be plenty of time to discuss that, but they, they're this coaching staff, they, they've been forced to evolve I, at least a bit or adjust. And we've seen them adjust over the years. And so I, I think you can only grow from that. And by the way, last thing, Jake Browning, he is restricted next year and will be a Bengal. So if anyone says, oh, my God, he's going to get paid elsewhere, I've gotten that a lot. I think a lot of people have. Uh, Jake, you probably have too. So Jake Browning will be in Cincinnati next year. That's what he's essentially guaranteed, I think, with these pa- past couple of games. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. Not only is he restricted, he's an exclusive rights-free agent, which means that unless the Bengals go out and decide to reward him with a multi-year contract and pay him, which would be a little bit surprising considering their control, that's a less than $1 million salary for Jake Browning next year, just in case you're curious about the cap implications. Restricted free agents yeah. would get paid a little bit more let's shift gears let's take a quick look at this playoff picture yesterday when we were recording the bengals were the seventh seed and then the broncos game finished and the tiebreakers got all weird there are six teams at seven and six currently in the is that all from the sixth seed in the playoffs all the way down to the buffalo bills who after beating the kansas city chiefs are rewarded with the 11th spot in the playoff rankings, uh, which is actually just one behind the Bengals. The Bengals dropped from 7 to 10 after the Broncos win because what ended up happening was you jumped into a four-way tiebreaker for that seven seed, and instead of it being a head-to-head Colts-Bengals tiebreaker, it turned into a four-way tiebreaker using conference win percentage where the Bengals are 3-6 and six and pretty far behind in that tiebreaker with those teams. Yeah, it's it's a giant cluster. Let's call it what it is. Uh, if you had to rank the Bengals games from like most important to least important, Saturday is the least important, which on the surface you could say because of the AFC, but just where the Steelers are, where the Browns are, winning those two games is just so huge for their playoff chances and, and having a shot. But you got to get three. It, they they have to get three somewhere. If you get four, well, then you better book those playoff tickets, Jake Lisko, because they are going to the playoffs. It's like 99% that they're in if they win out. And 
I, I think three or four is realistic, but they are going to have to evolve a bit in how they play. I don't think they're going to score 30 in Pittsburgh. I think that's tough to do or, or 30 against the Browns in week 18 or 30 in Arrowhead with Jake Bryant. I think all three of those, it's really, really tough. So this defense, you mentioned the defense. I think the defense and Lou probably knew it going into that game. And that's probably why they only gave up eight points and it, they could have given up 12 if the kicker showed up for the, the Colts. So even so that's why they played the way they did at that. Oh, you're counting the two-point conversion. I was like, how do we get to eight? Yeah. And it's a two-point conversion. I got it. Yeah, the defense will need to need to step up down the stretch. And it's just it just speaks to the muddle middle of the AFC this year. That there's six teams at seven and six. There are three more teams at eight and five, including the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have lost two in a row, the Cleveland Browns, who just named Joe Flacco their quarterback for the rest of the season. I mean, are we really going to have Joe Flacco in defense? Again, I mean, that, that that's a story we've seen before. But these are the teams ahead of the Bengals where the AFC just looks fallible. Baltimore Ravens needed a punt return touchdown in overtime to beat the Rams at home yesterday. Not taking anything away from the Rams, but they're currently six and seven. So it's you understand why their mentality in the building is like get to the playoffs. Anything could happen. If they, if they catch a heater at the right time, if they can play well in these games any given Sunday, I think that's very true in the NFL right now. But this the rest of the games are all important. Like you said, I think they need at least three. There is a scenario technically where I think nine and eight gets in, but it's not a scenario you want to live in if you're the Bengals. Three should give you a pretty good shot. You still need a little bit of help, but it's not like you're you have crazy asks. The the one other thing that's not in their favor is I think their schedule is just harder than some of the other teams sure. in the mix here. Um, not all yeah. of them. I think I think some of them have tough schedules too. But um, you're looking at a team that already has played the hardest schedule in the AFC this year has the second highest now strength of victory. In the AFC, third highest. My apologies. Third highest strength of victory in the AFC. And that schedule doesn't get easier down the stretch for the Bengals. And so it will be tough, but the path is there. And in a sense, they really do still control their own destiny if they can win out. Oh, for sure. No, they they do. That phrase still works. The two most important games are the division games. Yes. And just looking at the, the way the percentages swing, we don't know what's going to happen. Things change really, really quick. But getting that game in Pittsburgh is such a huge, huge, huge opportunity. And at the same time, it's like you look back, you're like, man, if they had just played a little bit better against Pittsburgh a few weeks ago, it wouldn't feel like this. They would feel they would be in the playoffs as of now. And there wouldn't be really zero margin for error because mm-hmm. they they have roughly if if they go two and two down the stretch. And those two wins are against the Steelers and Browns, the two most important games. You only have a 13% chance of getting in. So it's you need a lot to break your way if you only go two and two down the stretch here. It's going to be tough, but they're interesting and they're fun. And that's good news for everybody who likes to follow this team. I think that's what you would hope for with Jake, Jake Browning at quarterback. And so – I'm still excited to watch the rest of the year. Tomorrow we'll dive into the tape. Then we'll get into the Vikings with the first look with Luke coming up on 
Thursday and a couple episodes from now. Tomorrow, Mike Santagata will be with us to take a look at some of the film takeaways from the Bengals Week 14 game. Until then, thanks for listening to this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Hude, and have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.